you soul. skipped the part. I'm Church. sorry. I gotta go back. Wait, we gotta go back. <laughs> judge the living and the, the dead. Living the dead. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to skip judgment now. <laughs> you're, to, you're just like, let's go past uh, do that we, part. Do, do we need to talk the about judgment? Chicka chicka cha, chicka chicka cha. Oh. Hello. Welcome back to Captive Thoughts. This is EJ. This is Caleb. And uh, we're excited today because we are going to finish what we had started last episode. When we ran out of time. Yeah, when we ran out of time, <laughs> we're going to finish talking about the Apostles' Creed. And then we're also going to continue uh, discussing paradox and tension with Christian faith and the world and everything that falls within that. Um, what are some tensions that we hold? Why do we hold them? And how do we navigate those tensions and make sense of it all? I'm excited nice. about it. I'm excited too. It's going to be good. All right. So let's jump back into the Apostles' Creed because we, we ended off that last episode on uh, Jesus dying mm-hmm. and rose again. We didn't really get to de- dive too deeply into that, but like, right. let's let's dive into that then before we even jump into the next part. Like, um, Why is it that a dogma? Yeah. Why is that a dogma? Well, I would say uh, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ is a is a dogma. First of all, from a scriptural perspective, I think not only do the gospels, like each gospel, clearly like describes and explains the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but then later on in Paul's writings, he's constantly referring back to it calling back to the death of Jesus and the resurrection that we have with Christ and the resurrection of Christ. And I just think it's, scripturally speaking, such a fundamental, like, key aspect to the New Testament teaching. Like, to ignore it or to say that it didn't happen or to say that um, it's not important is to completely miss, like, what scripture is conveying to us um, of what happened. Um, Those are some initial thoughts I have. Also... Uh, beyond scripture, just looking at church history and church tradition, that has been taught all the way back since the apostles' teaching. Again, this apostles' creed is rooted in what the apostles were teaching as well. So, I mean, from the earliest church, um, they were teaching and confessing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And even to this day, we're still doing that. And so, to, yeah, to any way, like, deny that Jesus died or was buried or rose again um, from the dead, uh, I think that's just a, a, a key error. That's yeah. faulty theology. Yeah, certainly. I, I would even go, we, we talked a little bit last time on Jesus's full humanity, fully God, fully man. We're going to mm-hmm. get into that a little bit later with even paradoxes. That's a, yeah, that's a tension. But you know, if you just have the Christ of faith and there's no historical Christ we talked about without mm-hmm. the resurrection, there is mm-hmm. no celebration. Yeah. Uh, we, we really have to hold that. I think First John even talks about, maybe I should look this up before we started, but it talks about holding to the realities of Christ's atoning work on the cross mm-hmm. as fundamental to the Christian faith. And yeah. anybody who denied any part of that was, mm-hmm. in John, First John, the Antichrist. Yeah. So you have to you have to hold that, and honestly, to not in First John is to not be Christian. Yeah. So. Yeah. To be Christian, one must hold to that like view that Jesus died and rose from the from the grave. Yeah. Um, conquered sin and death. Uh, those are foundational. So yeah, we we briefly you know discussed that God, who's Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, um, Creator of all things, Jesus Christ. Um, God's only Son, our Lord, 
um, also pointing to um, his divinity. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. Again, those kind of statements historically rooted, like he experienced a real birth and um, really did suffer um, and experienced a crucifixion and died. And then further on in the Apostles' Creed, it says he descended into hell and on the third day he rose from the dead. So again, um, there's some debate on what What's happened controversy after there? Jesus died on the cross. What happened in those three days? You know, there's, yeah. there's discussion over that. Yeah, and some people point to, uh, man, I'm, I think it's like First Peter where he mentions that so. uh, Christ went and preached the gospel to those in Noah's time, mm-hmm. uh, which seems strange. Yeah. And, and others point to when the creed says he descended into hell, mm-hmm. that's what he's talking about is he went and to, took the gospel to them. Yeah, like set the captives uh, yeah. Each of the captives. And we have to talk about how did they understand hell? How right. did the church fathers understand it? Because we're we're so heavily influenced by Dante's Inferno. Right. Like, everything we hold is like Dante's Inferno. And not like Dante's Inferno is totally wrong because he based it off words of scripture. Jesus saying in that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the lake of fire in Revelation. Mm-hmm. But... But there's so much imagery in Dante's yeah. Inferno that, you know... It's not scripture. You don't see it in scripture. No, you don't. But that impacts how we view, like, the afterlife. We're so heavily influenced by it. There's a book where this guy says, uh, like, 30 days in hell. And it's when he died and was in a coma. And he talks about being in hell and feeling the heat of hell. And mm. I honestly feel like it, that type of stuff, that's faulty theology. That's It's made up. I don't... Hmm. I, I would honestly say I don't subscribe to, you know people who write books about experiencing heaven or hell yeah, it seems really interesting don't. yeah there, there's kind of a phen- phenomenon like recently yeah. in recent years there of, is of people yeah. writing about heaven is for real yeah, yeah. book in the movie of this seven-year-old kid and then there was like an article that came out where the kid and parents admitted that it was all a lie mm, which wow. is just like that's crazy yeah and so when you read this guy's book uh, i remember growing up my dad had it and and i read it and now as an adult i look <laughs> back kinda, and i'm like interesting the dude was totally influenced by dante's inferno but scripture doesn't describe that and so yeah it's a cheap way to make some money probably you know Probably. Had a good book on your experience of yeah. the fires of hell. And, and what's interesting is he may have had a little experience or may really have like... Some dream in his coma. A dream, yeah. a supernatural like moment. But yeah, to, to say like 30 days and all this. Like, it gets kind of interesting. It does. It's kind of weird. Little, it gets a little weird. But, but we see in the creed that they confess he descended into hell. Into hell. Something happened. There. I think, and I've heard I've heard it argued this part of the creed, and, and this is more where I lean with it. Mm-hmm. When it says he descended into hell, the concept of hell was the place you went when you died. Hmm. Um, yeah. So the Roman Catholic Church considers it purgatory, right? right? So they say Jesus died. Uh, what the creed is saying is that we, we fundamentally hold that Jesus died. Hmm. That he didn't just fall asleep... Right. He was not in a coma. Yep. We we hold that he absolutely physically died, and that's I think what the church was trying to say. Because you had so many yeah. like uh, not just like Gnostics because they just believe spiritual, mm-hmm. but you had people who believe that he didn't actually mm-hmm. die mm-hmm. a physical death because yeah. it's it's again paradox and tension. Mm-hmm. Do we want to say that he rose from the dead? Well, for us, well, we don't would have had experience, have died. right? Yeah. Right. And so, but what they're trying to say is like, he didn't actually raise from the dead because that's not possible. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Sure. And then that's faulty theology. Faulty like theology. we talked last time. Yep. When you try to try to clean up the paradox, the tension, you get into this like, yeah. oh, well, he didn't actually raise from the dead. But what the creed's saying is, no, he, he died. Right. And he rose from the dead. Yeah. Because for some people to say that the son of God died, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. 
to them. You know, they, right. they can't grasp that, so they have to deny that it happened or find a way around it. Right. But the creed clearly wants to affirm and confess, no, Jesus died. That's, well, it's like you had the arguments yeah. between the scribes and the Pharisees in the New Testament where the scribes did not believe in a resurrection and the Pharisees did. And remember, the scribes come to Jesus and they're like, you know, there's a, a, a man who had a wife and he died and then his brother married her as according to the law to carry mm-hmm. the... Tr- and then the next brother did and they're like until seven brothers and they challenged Jesus. They're like, you know, uh, you know, teacher, uh, when these when she dies and gets to heaven, who will be her husband right. of the seven brothers? And Jesus' response is like, you you don't understand the truth. Hmm. Nobody will given be given in marriage in heaven, yeah. right? And will be like the angels, hmm. um, which we could get into another topic there where people think that people die and become angels. But that's what he said. What he's saying, be like the angels, that the angels don't have marriage with each other, but have relationship with each other and God in a way that marriage can only model hmm. on earth. Wow. And so the, Pharise- the scribes disagreed with the resurrection and the pharisees did and i think that's where the church fathers like start putting this stuff in the creeds yeah. is because they're like no we need to fundamentally hold that he died he actually died yeah to help and clarify he actually rose from the dead exactly which to faith like that's everything yeah it's a paradox but that's everything yeah as we talked about already paul said if without the resurrection there isn't a celebration yep. i don't think it's funny because as a kid growing up the celebration seemed to always be around the cross right right the death of christ which is like don't get me wrong, we can't cast that out. The death of Christ is insanely important, but we often forget the resurrection of Christ. Right. And that and the importance there is that we we have been resurrected in Christ, the new birth, the new yeah. life, and we, we forget that. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, without the resurrection, he's still dead. You know, he's still in the tomb. Right. And our faith really is worthless. Like, there's nothing to it. I think the scribes even continue in that passage, or uh, Jesus tells the scribes, he was like, when... Uh, scripture talks about the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham. Mm-hmm. He's like, um, he's like they're speaking of the God who is of the living. So mm. Jesus even says that yeah. Moses and Abraham and Jacob are still alive, still alive, even while he's on earth. Yeah, and that's 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 weird to us to comprehend, and so we try mm-hmm. to just do away with it. Yeah, and act like it wasn't there. Yeah, but there's yeah. this invisible realm, this invisible reality that's going on, like even today. Yeah. Um where yeah, like. Christ is alive. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father, which the creed gets into. It actually says he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there he will come back. He'll come back to judge the living and the dead. What are your thoughts on this idea of Jesus ascending into heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father? He's coming back. What comes to your mind when you think about those kind of things? Great hope. Great hope. Because if Jesus ascended into heaven, he is the, he, I mean, he's one with God. The loving relationship between the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's work in believers to Mm. move us to pray. I don't think we dwell on that stuff often enough that when we feel convicted for sin or we're led in a place of our hearts to worship, it's the Spirit moving through us to love God through us. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think we focus on that enough, but it should give us great hope that Jesus, you know, uh, from the line of Melchizedek, a high priest of high priests, mm-hmm. uh, the atoning sacrifice, the one who is constantly atoning to God. That's right. what uh, I think it's uh, Jeremiah talks about, that there would be the Messiah would be one, a high priest who is in the temple with God constantly mm. atoning for eternity. Mm. Um, and obviously we know that Jesus is not, it is finished, the atonement is done. But when we pray in Jesus' name, uh, I love this because as a kid, Jesus' name was like abracadabra. Yeah. And it was like, right. in Jesus' name, and I'd still wake up and need to wear glasses, right? And it was so <laughs> annoying to me. But in Jesus' name is we pray in the work that Jesus did. Hmm. We draw confidently yeah. to God's throne because Jesus 
paid the price. Right. And we get to talk to God. We get to talk to the Father because of the work that he did. Yeah. And he sits at the right right hand of God mediating, mm-hmm. mediating for us. I think that's beautiful. I, I think what's difficult as people is we obviously live in the now, right? We, we, yeah. we think about what's happening right now. But Paul, in his letters, especially in First and Second Thessalonians, he, he talks about this hope and us looking forward to Christ's return. And I know personally, there are many times I don't live in a manner where like, oh yeah, Christ is coming back, you know, because I'm so yeah. fixated on what's happening right now that it's, it's tough sometimes for me to think about this future hope or to even expectantly wait for Jesus' return. But that's something we ought to do. We really ought to live a life that is filled with this eternal hope and this hope that Jesus is coming back and to expectantly want that and desire that. Um, but that's not always easy to do. No. It's not always easy. But again, the creed acknowledges it. That is part of our faith. And to deny that Jesus ascended into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father, or to deny that he's coming back, I mean, that's faulty theology. To yeah. deny those things, we we must confess that those are realities that are yeah. part of our faith. On top of that, I think you, you get into more tension on if Jesus is coming back, you know, he tells us to pray to the Father, your will be done and your kingdom come. Hmm. I think oftentimes we're so ready for the next big thing in life that we're not actually ready for Jesus to come back. Yeah. You know, we, we need to really, when we pray, the, we could talk about the Lord's Prayer in a podcast, but when we pray that, mm-hmm. we need to understand that we're, we're literally asking God to come back. Right. And we need to really want it. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I struggled with this when Amy and I were engaged, getting ready to get married. Um, uh, even thinking about that, I was like, man, God could come back before we got married. Mm. And I had to, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit for my feelings of like, I hope he doesn't. Yeah. Because that's that's mm. not a Christian way of life. The Christian way of life is that we're expectedly hoping for his return. Yeah. 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 And l- like you said, with the Lord's Prayer, like his will being being done, like his kingdom being enacted on the earth, that's another tension. As like right now, God's kingdom is alive and like things are happening um, in God's kingdom. But it also, we haven't seen the fulfillment of all of it. Like there's still this eternal... Um, hope that we have that that God's kingdom will be fully enacted on the earth Um, but yeah living in those those tensions of like desiring for God's will desiring for his kingdom living in the now but also like expecting his return and looking forward to the future yeah tension tension good stuff yeah further in the apostles creed talks about I believe in the holy spirit the holy catholic or universal just yeah right and and those who do not believe christ makes very clear i mean like one of the most common things he says in scripture is in that place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth he's clear that there is a judgment there is a hell Mm -hmm. we can't just do away with those things right um amy and i were having a conversation with uh dr cotter nice about where you know how how do we understand god's judgment and his return and his wrath uh, he made a comment that I, I had never really thought about very deeply mm-hmm. but he talked about when when god comes back in all of his glory when when we see jesus in all of his glory the holiness of god will show us just how sinful we are wow. it's kind of like a man i'm blanking is it ezekiel that goes in the throne room of god and is like i'm too unclean to be here i'm thinking of isaiah it's probably you're right when probably when isaiah. the um <laughs> the tongs or whatever when his score he, oh his yeah lips right are so he's like i'm of an unclean people yeah, he's like yeah. in the presence of god and understands how sinful he yeah. is 
So I would say, and I agreed with uh, Cotter on this, he was saying that when uh, we see God's glory, when Christ returns, even those who chose not to believe in this lifetime, Mm -hmm. which there we'll get into paradox and tension in a bit too with the choosing, um, even though they chose not to believe in him, they will suddenly see just how sinful they are. And when God pours out his wrath, even they will not be able to deny that it is good. Hmm. that it's just that it's yeah. deserved wrath yeah. which i think for us is like so hard to comprehend well and, and i think what's difficult is a lot of people when they think of god and judgment it's always viewed or often is viewed in a negative light like oh god is judging he is you know an angry wrathful god and it's like always these negative attributes to describe god's judgment yeah. instead of viewing it as a good thing like as yeah. a as a as an actual just, like, holy, righteous thing that the Lord is doing, instead of, like, oh, God is doing something negative, because judgment often is associated with negative terms. But it's, like, actually, God's judgment is a good thing. All the rights, uh, like, all the wrongs that have been committed will be be right, and, like, God will, will correctly judge, like, the living and the dead. Yeah. Which is a good thing. And, like, um, we're talking about... Second Corinthians ten five, what the mm-hmm. whole podcast is based on, with abolishing or taking apart faulty thoughts that take us away from true knowledge of God. I think there's a couple of like I've heard it said when it comes to like universalism mm-hmm. that all Christians should be a hopeful universalist. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I'm not a universalist, but the point behind <laughs> uh-huh. it is that we are supposed to be evan- evangelical. We're supposed to be preaching the gospel in hopes that people will come and receive the gift of salvation that's in Christ but also acknowledging that many won't, Yeah. right? And so it, we're a hopeful, I hope, for all people to be restored, mm-hmm. but with the knowledge that with the free will that God has given us, that's not always going to be the case. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jesus acknowledged and, like, admitted, I believe in John 15, that, like, the world hated them, and if we're in Christ, like, the world will hate us too. And, like, there are people who openly reject, like, the gospel, openly reject Jesus, and... um yeah, like, as believers, we're responsible and have, like, a calling on our lives to tell people, like, what the Lord has done in his great, like, cosmic redemptive plan. But we also know that not everyone will cheerfully want that and receive that for yeah. themselves. And that's a difficult tension right there, like, yeah. desiring all to be saved, but also realizing that there are people who just straight up deny Jesus and, like, will not like follow him dude we're not even gonna get through the second part of the creed because i i gotta get into something with you here okay we gotta we gotta dismantle a faulty thought and i want to hear your thoughts on it Uh uh-oh so we said this was candid so yeah here's some banter for you uh one of the thoughts that i grew up with as a kid and i think most christians do is uh love this or love the sinner hate the sin yes right and uh i heard it said i think it was mark lowry said you know i'll hate my sin you hate yours let's just love each other Hmm. things like that i'd actually say that 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 whole concept of hate the sin, love the sinner, we might be able to apply it to us as people. We might say that my job as a Christian is to love you, EJ, regardless of the sins that you commit, right? Yeah. But when we apply that to God, we're missing out on the point. Hmm. Because people have this idea where God, um, I'm going to be real rough here, uh, a child molester. Hmm. If we apply that to that person and we say God doesn't hate the person, they hate the sin he committed, that's not true. Hmm. Because scripture makes it pretty clear God hates that person. 
And God is faithful and merciful and just. And when his justice pours out, he hates that person. There's actually a good um, essay about that in Kevin J. Van Hooser's uh, Nothing Better, Nothing Greater, an essay that was written on that concept mm. of you know, the hate the sin, not the sinner is not something we can apply to God because wow. God hates the sinner. Wow. Um, and that's why you had to send the son to save the sinner, mm. to, to save him from his own wrath, deserved wrath. Cause, and, I, and I feel like part of the issue of saying, well, hate the sin, not the sinner, is I believe it It almost paints people as essentially good. That, oh, people are, are good, they're not fallen, like they just sin. We just need to separate the sin from the person and right. just hate the sin. Plagiarism. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, no, people are sinful, people are bad, people are wicked. Like, yeah. Romans 3 clearly talks about that, like no one has like lived up to God's righteousness like we have all fallen and are sinful in the eyes of the Lord and so to yeah to say like oh we're, we're just gonna hate the sin but not the sinner well it's like the sinner like needs to be saved like not yeah. not just like remove sin from them I mean it's more than that like who they are is fundamentally broken because of what happened with the fall in Genesis Genesis yeah. 3 um, and so yeah I, I feel like you know, I, I don't want to say that this is, like, why people make those claims, but I do think one of the ramifications to, like, a teaching like that is that, oh, people are essentially good. Like, humanity is good, and we just happen to sin, and so we need to, like, love the person and just, like, hate what they're doing. But I think a robust anthropology, like, a study of, like, what it means to be human will read, like, in Scripture, we'll know, like, humans fundamentally because of the fall like all being tied in adam like we're all responsible we're all faulty we're yeah. all accountable for it's not sin. just a, a cultural like yeah i i get into this all the time with friends especially pelagianist christians which i just want to go ahead and say the church already declared pelagianism a heresy yeah okay and there are christians who still hold to pelagianism mm -hmm. if you listen close enough to their theology um, especially some very famous pastors, mm -hmm. they hold the Pelagianism. Yeah. But, but the, there's a difference between like loving someone and then also realizing like that person is sinful and like that yeah. person is not in right standing with the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Because we need they're to not love in one Christ. another, but we also yeah. need to recognize that we don't just hate their sin. We hate them for doing the sin, but we're going to love on them that they would see the love that Jesus has for them he, and yeah. hope that, in hopes that they would turn to him. And it's a difficult position it's a paradox to say that you know um to to admit like no we're not essentially good like we we have issues we've been we're enemies of god you know um yeah. and so to be an enemy of god to not be in right standing with god that goes beyond just like hating the action that the person does i mean it's a fundamental problem to address yeah. so that's very interesting yeah and, and god's gonna come back and judge the living and the dead um, and judge accordingly Reminds Th those me in Christ and not in Christ. What you were just saying there about uh, those who are enemies of God, it, re it reminds me of Ephesians 2. It says, uh, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Um, and the word walked that's used there is the idea of just lived. Like hmm. you lived in this. Just the way you sin. did life was sin. Um, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, so just D, uh, Satan, uh, the spirit that is not at work and the sons of disobedience uh, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of our body. So Paul even says our mind, our body, our flesh is, 
it, by nature, we're children of wrath. Wow. That mankind is children of wrath. And by, by our nature, we don't want to follow God. Yeah. And and when he says that they're following the prince of the power of the air, when he's talking about Satan, Satan uses those little things in us. Yeah. You know, if you're going back to the garden with Adam and Eve, and you're talking what happened there. Yeah. It was, they wanted to be like God. Right. That's what the serpent said. was like, no, God, God doesn't want you to eat that because you'd be like God. And they were like, oh, I, I want to be God. And we're still trying to be God. I actually think we could get into this later times. There is still a gospel preached. And I think you know who I'm talking about. Where they their goal is to be like God. Yeah. And they even use terms like little g gods. Like saying to their congregation, you guys are little g gods. And they're still trying to be like God. But they're using scripture to try to twist it. And pe- that's so attractive. Right. And there's millions of people around the world, especially in the United States right now, who are falling into that trap. And being like, this feels so comforting and good. But they don't realize it's a sin. And, and one of the crazy things is... The gospel should make us, like, uncomfortable realizing, oh, I'm an enemy of God. Like, I've sinned against God. Like, I feel like there's this desire now to present the gospel in a way where it's, like, tied up in a nice little bow. And, like, you don't have to call out anyone. You don't have to be confrontational. You can't judge me. Yeah, it's like, you can't judge me. Like, you can't say that I'm not a good person. But it's like, if you actually look at what... Like, Scripture is declaring, like, especially Paul in Romans. Obviously, the book of Romans, right, his letter to the Romans, like, that's one of the most significant, like, depictions of the gospel. Yeah, just but he correct. starts out in Romans, like, 1 through 3. Being like, like you guys are enemies of like, God. it's difficult to yeah. read that. Yeah. Like, that's obviously not where he stops, but, like, that's how he opens. When you read the prophets, it's never what Israel will do themselves to return. Hmm. It's what God will do for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We but we do have this like concept where it's like we'll we'll get ourselves there and God'll help us. Yeah. You know, Ted Talk Christianity. You can't judge me type talk. Right. You know, I've I've heard people say things like, uh, you know, because Christ died for me, the sins I commit don't matter because he covers them. Hmm. Which there's there's a paradox there. Yes, that's true. The, the sins you commit, they do matter. You repent for them. You go confidently to the throne of grace, um, like Tim Keller says in his prayer book, where it's the debt's already paid. Uh-huh. God's just saying, come to me and say, in light of what Jesus did, please forgive me of this. And God, God already did. Right. He already forgave you for it. But they, they use it as an excuse to live sinful lives. And I've actually yeah. heard it from people who have a practicing homosexual lifestyle to say that they can do that. They know it's sin. I They straight up know it's sin, right. but they would say it's okay for me to do it because Christ died for me. But they don't understand that even Paul said Our, we would live a holy and set-apart life here and now, not just later. Well, and, and he says, like, should we just keep sinning so grace may abound? Right. That's what they say where they're right? like, you know, because... It's like you're missing the, the point. The closer, I don't know about you, the closer you get to God, the more unholy you see yourself. Yeah. Like, you just, like, start realizing, I, I am despicable. And I need to, I think C.S. Lewis, or I think I attributed C.S. Lewis, but it might have been A.W. Toji, said, I wake up every morning and start afresh with the Lord. And his point was like, I wake up every morning and repent again Hmm. and say, I know I'm a sinner. I know I do wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, let's go again. Like, thank you for what Jesus has done. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and the beauty of being in Christ is that we we can now live a holy life through the, the power of the Spirit. But like, apart from Christ, to try to be holy, to try to like do good things, it just falls short. And like, you will never be good enough to yeah. like meet those expectations. This like takes us in two directions that we should get into in a later podcast, uh, two different podcasts we could even consider. But one is uh, you can't judge me. You know, do not judge. We talk about what was that really mean? Yeah. And 
how are people taking that out of context, especially when they just don't want to be convicted? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with that also, uh, a Christ plus anything. Yeah. You know, Christ plus works, Christ plus health, Christ plus wealth, Christ plus miracles, mm-hmm. and understanding how those are faulty yeah. theology places to stand. Oh, yeah. I think those will be beautiful topics to discuss on. Well, well we're, uh, we're going to have to do the rest of the creed next week. Yeah, we said we would finish it in this episode. We we're we didn't even too get much. to the paradox. <laughs> we're not even paradox intention yet. Just very little. But... We got like two lines in uh, to finish it. <laughs> but but we'll finish the next one next week. I think this was a, a really good, this was a good episode, one. though, because really we talked about some controversial things. This is important. And we fleshed out some some teachings that are going around today centered on the gospel, but really... Can be faulty. centered on man. Centered on man. Yeah, definitely. they they claim to be centered on the gospel, but when you really look at it, it's like, ah, oh, well, I don't really think you're not. Is God in that? You know, or is that like your own idea? I think after we lay some of these foundations, it'll be good to jump into some of those things and and actually call out some of that stuff because mm-hmm. I know there's probably going to be people who listen to this and are like, who are they talking about? And yeah. I want to make it not not by name. Like I want to be like, oh, this guy's an idiot, but I just want to point out when you're in a church like this, here's the things you should be looking for Yeah, and wake up. Yeah, because these yeah. thoughts are brewing in, yeah. in the local church. And, and it's so easy to yeah. grasp on And it's easy to grasp Ignorance onto. is bliss. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. Ignorance. Uh, and we could talk about that. Like, uh, the power of knowledge of theology and the power of experience theology. And I think mm. there is a tension there. And we try to try to make too easy. We got to get into attention and paradox. And that that's going to split us I love how, like, all over the I place. I love how this podcast <laughs> is now just turning into tension and paradox. Tension like, and paradox. That's just what tension and paradox everywhere, guys. I love it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Captive Thoughts. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening, even though we really didn't get into the paradox and tension. We, we had a game plan, and then we kind of steered away. Which is probably what's going to happen. It's a candid for, conversation. For most used to episodes are probably going to be yeah. like that. But our next one, we do plan on finishing the Apostles' Creed. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> and getting into the whys of our belief. So why do we believe that Jesus is fully God, fully yeah. man, etc.? That, that's the game plan. We'll see if we can accomplish it. But we hope you enjoyed listening, and we look forward to having you tune in next week.